ESPN, in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions, present Soup with Coop. Cooper Manning invites players and coaches from across sports to share stories and laughs while enjoying a bowl of his guest's favorite soup. When the soup's finished, the conversation ends. That's Soup with Coop. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another Adam Schefter podcast. We are now in the middle of the preseason and getting ready for the fantasy football season. And that's why this week we will be joined by ESPN's newest fantasy football analyst, Liz Loza, who joins ESPN after serving at Yahoo Sports on a variety of fantasy football-related content, doing a podcast with Chargers running back Austin Eckler, and now she arrives in Bristol to dispense fantasy wisdom and insight, which she will be sharing today on which players she is targeting and which players she is avoiding. But the preseason is underway, and as usual, there are a host of storylines to follow. Did you see that the Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson, announced that he will not do a contract extension once the regular season begins, which means that the Ravens now have a few weeks to try to get a new contract done for Lamar Jackson. And I would say this, if we've gone through all of last year and all of this year to get to this point and it's still not done, what is going to change here in the next few weeks to get that deal done? And so on that basis alone, the chances are better than not that Lamar Jackson will not have a new contract by the time the regular season kicks off September 8th, and that he will be willing to play out the last year of his deal, which would mean that he would be bypassing the market value of quarterbacks, which we seem to be in the mid 40 plus million dollars per year. And he would be risking the Baltimore Ravens franchising him after the season, assuming he can't get a deal done. And it's interesting, of course, because the quarterbacks in that division have to have a direct impact on what's going on with Lamar Jackson. We saw what the Cleveland Browns did for Deshaun Watson, a fully guaranteed $230 million contract. Look, Lamar Jackson has no agent. He's doing the deal himself. It's not hard to look at that contract and say, Deshaun Watson has helped me get a more favorable deal. or He's not signing. So we shall see how Lamar Jackson and his situation play out as it pertains to Deshaun Watson. And we do that as the Cincinnati Bengals change the name of their home, what once was Paul Brown Stadium, to pay core stadium. Now, look, let's be honest. As Lamar Jackson's contract, we wait for that to get done. Joe Burrow's contract is going to get done. So we might as well make the name of pay core stadium, pay Joe Stadium. Because whatever Lamar Jackson gets, Joe Burrow is going to be in line for an enormous deal himself. That's where the Bengals put it to me from now on. Pay Joe Stadium. Not pay Core Stadium. Pay Joe Stadium. As for some other quarterback news, did anybody see Malik Willis in his preseason debut? Pretty impressive for a guy that slid in the draft further back than people expected. And I will say this, it reminded me of a text that I got over the weekend from a 
personnel director in the NFL. And this is the text he sent me, which I'm going to read. It is my belief that Malik Willis will be compared to Steve McNair when it's all said and done. Steve McNair. They're built the same way and both have outstanding accuracy from inside and outside the pocket. So one personnel director already comparing Titans rookie quarterback Malik Willis to the late, great Steve McNair will be very interesting to see how that plays out. But we'll be watching Malik Willis, who fell, I think, because he's not ready. Very green, much like Trey Lance coming out of college. going to take some time to get him up to speed. Very raw, developmental prospect. But once he is developed, assuming he is developed, he has got a ton of upside, a ton of ability. And the Titans may have themselves one of the steals of the draft. We also saw last week the departure of James White, who announced his retirement. Who was better in the Super Bowl, more clutch than James White, when he set Super Bowl records for most receptions, 14, most points scored, 20, most touchdowns, three, all during that victory over Atlanta. We saw what Bill Belichick had to say about him, professional, dependable, one of the most reliable players who's put on a Patriot uniform. And he played eight years in New England and left a mark on that franchise. And everybody who knows James White knows what a classy, professional individual he is. We wish him the best in his next chapter of his career, whatever that may be. But best of luck to him. And as we discuss quarterbacks, there's one other story that got my attention over the weekend. And that was the injury of the Jets quarterback, Zach Wilson, who on Friday night, scrambles outside, makes a run, grabs his knee, goes down, doesn't come back to the game. And what happens is, and it's very interesting because it provides a little window into what life is like in 2022, social media, and especially Twitter, erupts with speculation about the injury. And there were numerous people proclaiming at that point in time, looking at the video, medical people, that Zach Wilson tore his ACL. And oftentimes these medical people who look at these videos, they're right on their assessments, but not always. And the issue is they will say that a player tore his ACL or sprained a shoulder or broke his foot or whatever the injury may be. But we don't really know at that point in time. And it's their educated analysis and they are educated and the analysis often is correct, but it is not always correct. And it was not correct there. But we live in a world where we want answers right away. And so me as a reporter, my job is to try to be accurate and quick with that information. But there's a game going on, and it's not always easy to get that information right away. But everybody assumed that Zach Wilson's ACL was torn. Reading everything I did, getting some of the text messages I did, I thought it was torn too that night. But... As it turned out, at least before he has surgery on Tuesday, it is not torn. His ACL was intact. And it turned out to be a bone bruise and a torn meniscus. And they'll see how much damage is in there when he has the surgery in Los Angeles with Dr. Neil Elitrush, a previous guest in this podcast, on Tuesday. But it goes to point out the perils of sometimes trying to assess and classify an injury in the world that we live in. We all want information right away. But sometimes when it comes to injuries, that information has to wait. It didn't wait there. Now we see how that turns out for Zach Wilson.
And now we get ready for week two of the preseason, and we begin to get ready for fantasy football drafts. And I got to tell you something. I love fantasy football. Love it. And when we get to mid-August, which we're in now, it's the kind of thing that you ponder all the time. At least I do. Who should we be taking? Where should we be taking them? Who do we want? I'm in two fantasy football leagues. In one league, it's a 12-team league. I got the 10th pick last week. I already have a strong feeling about who I'll be taking at the 10th and 15th pick. It's something I mulled over the weekend, and that's what fantasy football is. As I say all the time, it means nothing, and it means everything. And that's how fantasy football is. And that's why throughout this month on this podcast, we're going to have featured guests with some outstanding insight and information about the players to pick and the players to avoid. And that's why this week we are bringing in the newest ESPN fantasy football analyst, Liz Loza, as ESPN gets ready to launch its fantasy football marathon. Monday night into Tuesday night, wall-to-wall fantasy coverage on all ESPN platforms should be fantastic. And we're going to kick it off right here with our newest addition, our newest hire, Liz Loza. You got it? I'm a technical wizard, yes. Hello there, Liz. Hi, Adam. Congratulations and welcome to the team. Thank you so much. And thank you for being so incredibly generous and welcoming. This is incredible. Well, it's my pleasure and honor to welcome you to our team. And I think you are a huge free agent signing for us. I think you're going to bring a tremendous amount of insight and information, which I love information, to the fancy football world. And I'll look forward to working more and more with you. But being that you are now a part of the team, I wanted to reach out, bring you on the podcast, introduce you to the ESPN football world, and have people hear who is Liz Loza. Well, I mean, do you want to hear how I started in fantasy, the whole thing? Everything. Cool. All right. Well, I grew up in Chicago. We're going back a minute. I grew up in Chicago. Mom was a single mom. She was out hustling um, trying to keep the lights on, frankly, and put food on the table. I will say she had her own separate glow up and she is a judge now. So an absolute inspiration. But at those times, things were a little bit tough. My grandfather was thankfully in the picture and he kind of served as my primary caregiver from a domestic point of view, which meant taking me to, you know, ballet lessons, t-ball, all of those activities. And since I was the only child and I got to spend all of this incredible time with him, I learned everything that he had to teach me as a World War II vet who very much had the same essence as the Carl Carl Sandberg poem, also titled Chicago, locomotive engineer. Um, He taught me how to, you know, change a faulty belt in a laundry machine, how to change the oil in a car back when uh, computers didn't do that, when you could actually have a dipstick and do it. Um, And he taught me, of course, all about Chicago sports. Number one love was the Chicago Cubs. This was evidenced by the fact that in third grade for Halloween, I was Ryan Sandberg. All the other little girls were princesses. So number 23, near and dear to the people of Chicago, also had Robin Ventura um, and MJ, obviously grew up in the 90s. So Michael Jordan's pretty key there. Um, And there was, you know, there was a Super Bowl that the Bears went to. And a number 23 did do some pretty fantastic things in that game, despite not winning the title. So uh, I learned all about sports from him. It was our kind of love language. It was what we did. Fast forward a bunch of years, I decided to leave the Midwest and head out east for college. I was lucky enough to 
be accepted. Um, I still get emotional talking about it to um, Brown University, which was nothing that anybody in my family anticipated or planned for, <laughs> frankly. Um, and so at the end of my first semester of freshman year, right in the time of my first finals, I got a call from my mom saying that my grandfather was very ill and to rush home as fast as possible. Unfortunately, I did not make it home to say goodbye to him. And still I'm feeling, you know, the grief of that loss. But in the time, what I did to grieve and process and be with my feelings, it's, it was week 15 of the NFL season, so very close to Christmas and the holidays. Um, and I just turned on the television. There was a Vikings-Bears game on, Bears lost, and I couldn't get enough. Like, it was like this was what was keeping me connected to his spirit. And so I just started watching every single football game outside of the NFC North. And listen, nobody was paying for therapy. There, That wasn't a possibility. Right. I was going yep. to college. There, you didn't get into Brown and get to, like, come home for a long time and deal with uh, the, uh, this major loss in your life. So I just started doing that every single football season. Mm. This became my tradition. And as a result, I became a fan of the league and not just a fan of my regional team. And fast forward a couple years after that, I move out to LA. I'm dating this boy. He seems very nice. He sheepishly says to me one day, I have this thing called the Red Zone channel. Um, I like to watch it all day long so that I can keep track of my fantasy football team. Is that going to be weird for you? And I thought like, oh my gosh, if this guy knew it was good for him, he'd get down on one knee right now and, and propose to me because this is exactly how I want to spend my Sunday. But I didn't know what a fantasy team was. I had not heard of this concept, but I just knew about watching all of the games and knowing the players and how you can root for players, not just because they're from, you know, they're repping, they're not even from your like hometown. So he notices that I know the players. He starts asking me for advice. I help start co-managing that team all the way to a Super Bowl victory. I'm hooked. That's it injected into my veins. Done, done, done. I want a spot in the league. I'm not interested in sharing. I want my own team. I want my own dominion over it. And so as luck would have it, there was an opening the following season. I grabbed it and I managed that team all the way to a Super Bowl victory. Everybody in the league is balking. It's a beginner's luck. There's no way. Third year in a row, maybe two and a half if you don't count the co-managing year. Third year in a row, I manage the team again straight to a Super Bowl victory. It is at that point that I take a look at the content that is currently out there servicing the fantasy football community. And I say, well, this is not reflective of the growing, at the time, this is like 2010, growing NFL audience. You know, the, there's a huge female demographic. And um, I think I'm, I think I want to learn about this and I want to dive into this and I'm recognizing there's some white space to lean into. And I mentioned this to the guy that I'm still dating. And I think like with half of a pizza crust hanging out of his mouth, he, <laughs> he says like, I don't know. He shrugs and says, why don't you start a blog? And so I said, you know what? It's a good idea. I think I will. So I started a blog. I started a Twitter feed. I started a podcast. I started saying yes to anybody's anything. I it all just started to snowball and I became, you know, present in the space um, via online. And I also created for myself because I had been pursuing at the time a career in entertainment. And I created for myself on this blog content schedule. And I was incredibly disciplined about following it, 
and being creative with it. And I took everything I had learned working in entertainment and put it into this content creation space before the words content creation were part of the zeitgeist. So I did it and it snowballed and I'd get calls from other people doing podcasts and radio spots. And all of a sudden it started to just grow and grow and grow. And I learned more and more and more and I got practiced. I got to practice doing more and more different things and engage with this incredibly generous, uh, prodigious and intelligent community. And then one day a company called Scout, which at the time was owned by Fox Sports, reached out and said, you know, we'd like to hire you for a contract position for this upcoming uh, NFL fantasy season. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, side note, I had a 13-month-old baby at the time and was like, I, I guess I'm going to do this. And I did it. And, you know, if you have a baby, as you did a couple years ago, like, you know, they're up all night. And so I would write these articles and do my research at two o'clock in the morning when the baby was awake. And then um, after that, Yahoo noticed me. It offered me credibility in the space. They offered me a job also for a contract position. And I managed to parlay that that month-long, months-long contract position into a seven-year run at Yahoo. And Tuesday was my first official day here at ESPN. There's a lot there to process and digest. A lot there, Liz. I have a lot of questions in relation to that. So it's like, where do I even start with that? My first question would be, you mentioned acting. You were an actress in Hollywood. Can you list some of the credits you have on your resume for us? Like, have we seen you in any movies and any TV shows before? Well, let me start with ABC, given that I work at ESPN. Now, I was on uh, an episode or two of Scandal. So that was a show that I did. I did more television than movies, although I did do a movie with Eddie Murphy. I don't remember the name of it, but we did have a couple scenes together wow. um, about a secret blanket. It's like he's a, a dad and there's- You a don't remember blanket. the name of the movie with Eddie Murphy? Eddie Murphy's got a lot of movies. I don't remember, you know- <laughs> I'm too concentrating on Isaiah Pacheco right now, Adam, to think about an Eddie Murphy movie. Um, and we'll get to Isaiah Pacheco. Um, and then I also did a couple episodes of 24. I did Robot Chicken. I was the voice of Pure One Imports for a while. Um, Monk was a show. Monk, I think, was my first ever credit. I was a waitress. with, uh, And I waited on, um, oh, God, the guy who plays Monk. I don't remember his name anymore either. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You mentioned Brown, too. You said you got emotional. Why does being accepted to Brown make you emotional even today, Liz? Because it makes my family so proud. I mean, that was like I was supposed to stay in the Midwest, right? Like I, I'm that's what everyone Northwestern was my dream school, which is an incredible school, by the way. Like, but that was the school that I grew up expecting to go to, wanting to go to. Oh, my gosh, if I could ever go there, it would be amazing. And then this other opportunity, right? This detour that makes the journey so much different and it just changes things that presented itself. And I thought, all right, like as trite as it may see, I'll take the road less traveled by. And and I picked it and my family was so proud. And also my grandfather was so sad that I was like, he did not want me to leave the Midwest. He wanted me to stay. And I, when I left, his health started to trail off incredibly like there was a, a stark decline in his health yeah. as soon as i left and so that's tough now you also mentioned the man that exposed you to fancy football is that your husband today yeah he did he did get down on his knee and, and propose because he is a smart guy it just it, it took us a little while to get there so there is a happy ever after to that dating story where basically he turned you on to fancy football and for i guess lack of a better phrase you turn them on in different ways right <laughs> sure that is one way you can put it although i think you know everyone always says like oh my god you're so lucky your like wife gives you all these tips and that's amazing he was like yeah she's at sofi covering the super bowl i am trying to wrangle two little kids so it's not all um rainbows and sunshine the way you might think it turns out well but that's pretty good now do you guys play fancy football together do you compete are you on the same team? How does that work now that you are a true couple? Um, well, we are still, we have separate teams in that home league that I mentioned that kicked it all off. Like that yep. league still exists. We're all still playing in it. Um, and it's, you know, the the commissioner of the league writes some pretty impressive wrap-ups every week and takes, takes plenty of shots at both my husband and I. Um, quite frequently. But yeah, that league is still alive. And I do sometimes, he's in a couple high stakes leagues and I do sometimes, you know, give him some advice. I want him to, the money's coming home to the same place, you know? What's your reaction when you hear that you're coming on to be a fantasy analyst at the Worldwide Leader? Well, I will always be grateful for my time at Yahoo. I learned and grew and really flourished there. And they offered me some incredible opportunities but when ESPN called, I was excited, but more than excited, I just felt ready. It felt like this mm. was the, after such a detoured path that I just talked to you about, it felt like this made the most sense. Like this was the next right step. Of course, this was going to be the next chapter. You know, I was at Yahoo for seven years and they say that life unfolds in seven year periods. And so really? it really did just feel like I was receiving the next chapter. And I feel I, I, I'm, yeah, of course I'm nervous. I feel like the new kid on the block. It's a lot. It's a whirlwind. It's overwhelming, but it also just feels so centered in my soul. And I have to believe that 
my grandpa's guiding it. Mm. That's the belief today. Grandpa. Sure. What would he say if you were here to witness all this, Liz? Oh, I don't think that we could probably put most of that on air. I think there'd be a lot of expletives. <laughs> this was not <laughs> this was not a warm and fuzzy guy. You know, probably some like uh, some expletively driven at a girls. And then he definitely hate how much I um, have cheated on the Bears, if you will, with the Rams. But I think maybe he'd understand. Are you a Rams fan now? Oh, Adam, I'm a fan of I am a bandwagon fan of the nth degree. You just you know, like you get to know these guys. And yeah. I did a show with Austin Eckler. I'm a Chargers fan last year. Like I, I live in the city of Los Angeles. My children were born here. So, of course, I have love for the Rams and the Chargers. I will say that every year I do. It's like the Bears and I are just we're always in therapy. We're in therapy together. We're trying to work it out. There's downs. There's ups. I really do like Justin Fields. I like Eberflus. In terms of what they can do with the defense, defense like Roquan is is a little bit uh, head scratching and frustrating as a homegrown talent. But I will always have love for the Bears and I will always root for them. Um, but I will also always be a little bit extra hard on them. You may be in therapy for a long time with the Bears, <laughs> but I will also say this: when I ask you about cheering for the Rams, people stop and ask me all the time, "Who do you root for?" And the answer I tell everybody is two things: I root for people, not teams people that there are relationships with, professional relationships with. And I root also for my fantasy teams. So if there is somebody on my fantasy team, oh, I am rooting for that guy (laughs) as hard as you can root for anybody. So I root for people and I root for per sources, the players on per sources, which is the name of my fantasy team. That's what I'm rooting for each Sunday, every Sunday. The coolest thing about a fantasy team, I think, like, is I said this on the Fantasy Focus pod, is that it allows us to have a choose-your-own-adventure experience. Like, if you are, I'm married to a Commanders fan. He's a little bit frustrated right now. I can understand why, right? But you can still root for Terry McLaurin, and you can want him and all of his talent to absolutely sail, right? Even if you if you went to a college then you can still, if you went to Georgia and you feel like, well, living in like Georgia, maybe, you know, the Falcons have kind of disappointed recently and they're, and then the Hawks have been a little bit frustrating, but you can root for Nick Chubb. You can, you know, like he is available to you for you to draft on your fantasy squad. And, And by the way, if it's Nick Chubb, you know, you're getting 16, 16 carries per game, even if Kareem Hunt's active. So there you go. What about Los Angeles? You know Austin Eckler pretty well. Yeah. What are we going to see from him and the Chargers this season? Who do we like there? Oh, I think that that squad is lit. How do you not love Justin Herbert in this system? I mean, uh, the, <laughs> Austin is my number two running back. And I know they've added Isaiah Spiller, but I, I Spiller's really, really young. His game's really, really young. And so I think that's great insurance. I think that obviously, you know this better than anyone. They're looking at Austin's age at 27, where he is in his contract. Spiller seems like a nice future investment, but there's no doubting that Austin, is he going to regress? Absolutely. That's just, uh, you know, the way math works, frankly. But he knows the thing I love the most about Austin is that he understands his body. He is so self-aware. He says, do not give me 30 touches a game. He's the anti-CMC. And by the way, Who's been on the field longer? Who doesn't get hurt despite being a quote undersized back? They know how to use him. He knows how to, he knows how to use himself, and that sort of self awareness, I think, 
blends in perfectly with this current iteration of the Chargers. And see, when we're talking about people we root for, Austin Eckler loves fancy, is a great guy, right? And so that's somebody that you root for no matter what. You mentioned Isaiah Pacheco, the backup Chiefs running back. And you also mentioned the fact that early on with your now husband, you won two and a half, three straight championships, right? Yes. People are listening to this podcast, Liz. They want to know how to win their championship. Please give us a roadmap this season for all the people drafting this month, like myself, who want to kick the ass of everybody in their league. (laughs) Well, I don't think it's, you don't have a simple answer, right? I think a lot of it is for me, I like to dig and find value on teams that everybody else is overlooking. Who are the overlooked players that are going to fall in drafts? Who are the knee-jerk reactions? We all know the debate between like Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, right? Like that's an obvious debate. Someone is going to pick whichever side they're on. We know who the superstars are. We know who the Austin Ecklers are. What about Indianapolis. Like, this is a new regime. We believe that Frank Reich is pretty smart. I think so, right? Like, there is a new quarterback. He is certainly more stable, even at this point in his career, than Carson Wentz was last year. Carson Wentz was a top 15 quarterback in most in most scoring systems. Matt Ryan adds some stability to this offense. We know that Michael Pittman is going to get his seven and a half, maybe 7.7 targets per game. But what about the rest? Do we believe in Alec Pierce, the Bearcat? a lot there to believe and do we believe that paris campbell can finally stay on the field we know what he does as a, as a, a field stretcher what about mo alley cox though everyone's frustrated with tight end all the time all i hear is what are we going to do streaming the tight end mo alley cox was just signed and again i'm t- preaching to the choir here to a three-year deal this was not some one-year prove-it band-aid situation they invested in him and his athleticism scored four touchdowns on 40 targets last year. Jack Doyle, not on the not in the picture. He also vacate his exit vacates 40 targets that he had last year. Is it impossible to believe that Mo Ali Cox draws 80 targets this year? I don't think it's impossible. Is it is it in the list of possible outcomes certainly. He's going He's going later than Cole Komet because everyone's on the on the volume idea with Cole Komet. But I will maintain that Mo Ali Cox is a much more seasoned and frankly has better hands than Cole Komet. And yet he's attached to so many unknowns that people aren't willing to invest. I think Mo Ali Cox is one of the knowns on an otherwise uh, like questionable offense. Mo Ali Cox is somebody who, when I've watched him in other years, I've always wondered why does he not get the football more often because he's got some freakish talents and abilities. He's never gotten a lot of targets. And it is in part because they've had so many tight ends at the position. And I always like to follow the money in fantasy football. I always like to see what a team is paying a guy. If they're paying the guy and investing in the guy, you too should be investing in the same guy. It's not hard to figure out. Mo Cox is a guy that to me has passed the eye test in other years. Now we'll see how that translates with a quarterback who can throw the football in an offense that probably will throw a little bit more than has in the past Mm -hmm. in a spot where there is the need for more production. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're hearing it. Give me some more Mo Alley Coxes out there. You're talking about teams that are undervalued players that are undervalued. Who else stands out to you going into the season? 
I think the Houston Texans are a fascinating exercise. Wow, wow. Let's think about the quarterbacks that Pat Hamilton has worked with in his career. Okay. Andrew Luck, if we're talking about the Colts. I, Andrew Luck's a pretty good quarterback, right? Justin Herbert. I mean, last I looked, he was a, a top five, a top seven uh, fantasy pick at the position. Davis Mills was not as bad as people thought he was last year. He was no. much more efficient. And there is a clear investment in Mills this season. I think this is the find out season, probably beyond that. Now let's look at it. So we know what Brandon Cook, right? Brandon Cooks is going to score a thousand yards every year until he decides to retire. That That's just the way it's going to be. You've got Nico Collins. I really like him as an outside contested mm. catch red zone specialist. Do I think Nico Collins can score like six touchdowns? Yeah, I, I sure do. What about the backfield? Well, we know Mar again, this connectivity to the Colts is interesting. I'm realizing now Marlon Mack. Well, the biggest issue I think with Marlon Mack when he came out was that maybe he was a better athlete than he was running back. And we saw what happened. He had the Achilles injury, and then he was replaced, frankly, by, by Jonathan Taylor. I think he has a chance to start the season as the Texans RB1, but I really think that Damian Pierce will end the season as the Texans RB1. I like Pierce's, you know, he has some, he's not particularly fast, but he has some pass catching ability. He's sturdy. He's got fresh legs, obviously. And I think there will likely be a changing of the guard probably around Thanksgiving, right? I think we might see something similar to what we did in Arizona with Chris Johnson and David Johnson in that backfield. And I understand that nobody wants to like attach themselves to a backfield in an offense that is not lit, right? That is not up-tempo because of the field stretching. But I think maybe the Texans are going to be better than we anticipate, especially in that division, which is completely like up for grabs, right? And now Pierce is someone who is basically free at the end of drafts. Why not stash him? Even if it means you knowing it's going to be maybe six to eight weeks, could be sooner, that then you get to use them. couple of things there. Marlon Mack is somebody who, if he had just stayed healthy, he was somebody they always loved in Indianapolis. They loved his ability. He just always got hurt. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether it was that he was not big enough to withstand some of the hits he took or whatever it was, or just unfortunate and unlucky, but never stayed healthy. You bring up the comparisons between the Colts and the Texans. It's funny. The way you were describing Mo Alley Cox is the way in a sort of sense that I think about Brevin Jordan, the tight end Fair. on Houston. When I watched that guy last year, he passed the eye test. Now, it still may be a year or two early for the guy, and maybe he doesn't pop onto the scene this year. I don't know whether he will or not. But Brevin Jordan is a guy who, when I watched them last year, popped and has talent. And you, you could pick him at the end of any draft. And I think he's got the chance to be a factor, just the way that Damian Pierce does at running back. I think Brevin Jordan is a great call out. And I think he's also a player that will not might, but will end up as like on the top of a waiver wire list some point this season. He's going to have a couple of those blow up spots. My question overall is just whether the volume will be sustainable on a week to week basis for Brevin. And, and listen, when we bring up fantasy, people want to know sleepers. Can you rat a tat tat me a few guys? Again, we've broken down two teams but I'm the Moali Cox and Damon Pierce aren't deep enough for it. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. Can, give me a few more names like that. Give me a few more names like that. You know, so this one might be a little bit um, iffy for some people. Um, I really like David Bell. And Ooh. I know he plays for the Browns. And I know there are a lot of question marks uh, under center. 
for Cleveland right now. But this kid out of Purdue, I mean, he was a Bolitnikoff finalist. He's I, it's so trite to say that a player plays tough, you know, but David Bell plays tough. I love that. I love that kind of energy to this particular team. He had 41 contested catches since 2019 in college. And obviously OBJ is gone. Jarvis Landry is gone. Austin Hooper is gone. That's over 220 looks vacated in Cleveland. Amari Cooper is there. Who else they got? Are we, are we still Donovan? Donovan people Jones, people still Jones, holding yeah. out? Yeah, it's possible. Do I think that David Bell probably at this point has a higher upside than Donovan Peoples-Jones? I do. DPJ, I I think that like there's a, I don't know, seven. Would it it surprise you, Adam, if David Bell drew 73 targets this year? No, no. People like him, right? He he, he was a target machine in college. Now, the issue, again, is is Jacoby Brissett going to be the guy to get on the football on a steady basis, reliable basis. I, I don't know. Jacoby Brissett has had a fascinating career backing up Tom Brady, backing up Andrew Luck, backing up to and now backing up Deshaun. Who's had a more interesting career than Jacoby Brissett and the guys he's backed up? I want to see the guy play and see what he can do over the course of a full season. I don't think we know that just yet. No, we don't. And for me, Bella is like someone who's going to be on the watch list. I also think that talent tends to break all ties. And so I am in favor of Bell's talent and the way it works within the rest of the offense. Would you rather, Liz, win an award for one of the performances you turned in as an actress or a fantasy football championship? I would rather win an award. I would rather win an award for the content that the fantasy team at ESPN puts out than either of those really yeah let's get an emmy what's why not and you know what listen i mean you're you're familiar (laughs) well actually no i've never been nominated for an emmy i've never won one this is this is are you this is an absolute abomination so then adam let's go get an emmy let's manifest this liz we're doing the fancy show together this year right that fancy show now has to win an emmy and if it does then that would be the first emmy that I well, I, I got something sent to me about Sports Center being part of an Emmy. Award. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I had anything to do with it. I've never been a part of a nomination process, but yeah, maybe that show can win it. That'd be an unbelievable way to welcome you to the team. It'd be a great rookie year. You, would, if that happened, then undoubtedly win Rookie of the Year at ESPN, right? Yeah, that's a Jamar Chase life. You, right you, there. you, you, you would be the Damian Pierce of Damian Pierce of <laughs> of fantasy football analysis. For this upcoming season, I—I I mean, again, let's—it's a full moon tonight. Let's keep let's keep manifesting this. Let's put it out into the universe. <laughs> yes, I think I do love winning fantasy championships, but I also think that bringing something new to the table, having fantasy recognized in a way that it deserves to be recognized, especially if you look at the engagement and the audience and the growth by. Um, by a, a committee that of some prestige would be absolutely awesome. And let me ask this question. You talk about the growing fancy community. Like To me, fancy fuels the popularity of the NFL today. I believe one of the primary reasons, maybe the primary reason that the NFL is as popular as it is, is because we live in a fantasy-driven world, a fantasy-crazed world. Do you find acceptance as a woman in the role that you're in, or do you find people that resist that idea? 
I think it's, there's people who resist every idea. So, you know, we're living in a fantasy world and also a contrary world. Nobody, I don't need to tell you what the world of Twitter looks like, right? Um, (laughs) There are still people who have things to say, um, who, when you retweeted my uh, arrival from the PR team, thank you for doing that, by the way, um, you know, had some stuff to say. Is there a different set of parameters that I feel I need to go through? Yeah, I also feel at this point in my career, after seven years at Yahoo, after winning titles, after winning awards for my work, not just for you know the players I'm putting in every week, um, I've earned plenty of respect. I do still think there's a, a barrier to entry, though. Um, and I also sort of feel like maybe we get wound up. I, I, I don't, Adam, I don't know what I can control, right? Like, I just told you my whole story. It was... And yeah. a story that was out of control, very destiny choice driven. I don't know. We'll see where this lands, but I have faith in myself and and we'll just go for it. Right. I don't have control of anything. Control is a construct. But the only thing I do have control over is how I feel and who I give my energy to. And they just don't get my energy. And that is how I am able to stay sane. It's the same advice I give to aspiring creators of any gender, frankly, like you control who gets your energy. And I'll be honest, like my work, my work mates, right? Like my colleagues and my kids. And then my husband probably get my, the most of my energy, right? My kids get the most. And from there it trickles down. And if people take objection with that, then I guess I don't know because they're not getting my energy. So the trolls don't you don't allow yourself, you don't allow the trolls to suck away any of your energy. I mean, I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen, right? There there are sometimes people are like, oh, she just got this job because she's pretty. Honestly, my first thought was like, oh, I think I'm pretty. That's nice. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but I, I just, I don't, I try not to. I try yeah. to, I'm never going to engage with them. I'm not going to feed them. Um, but I will sometimes note what someone is saying and say, well, this is an interesting like societal pattern. And how am I going to live my life looking the way I do with the job I do and the family I have, um, knowing that this is a thought that's out there and I have to comport myself and adjust accordingly. Well, I know you're going to crush it and they're going to be disappointed. Thank you. When you do. And we look forward to having you a part of the team. We look forward to winning the Emmy this year. We look forward to trying to win championships in fantasy. And basically in summation, just having a whole lot of fun with fantasy football over the course of the coming football season, right? We are going to win big, whether it's in titles or in joy. Absolutely. All we can ask. Liz, thank you very much for the time today. Look forward to meeting in person and working together this upcoming season. Thank you so much, Adam. And there is Liz Loza, who has some very strong takes on the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts and some of the players that she believes will be fantasy assets. This upcoming season, very interesting to hear her insights. And there'll be plenty more on ESPN throughout the Fantasy Football Marathon Monday night, all day Tuesday. Tune into ESPN. Go to ESPN.com for your latest fantasy football information as we all get ready for our fantasy drafts. All right. During the preseason, I rarely get to leave my office or the vicinity of Bristol, Connecticut. I'm usually in one place or the other, and I'll be in Bristol this week, Tuesday and Thursday, Thursday night. ESPN is its first preseason game, the Seattle Seahawks versus the Chicago Bears. But last week, I had the pleasure of going to Seattle 
to work on two different features for the upcoming season. Both are going to be very good. But while I was there, the Seattle Seahawks coach, Pete Carroll, was kind enough to invite me, was kind enough to invite me into the team meetings that morning. He said, why don't you come in and just get a feel and a taste of how we run things around here. Now, I've been around some football teams and I've seen the way many operate. I haven't been invited to too many team meetings as I think about over time. But I happened to sit in on that morning's activities for the Seahawks. And all I can say is, wow. Wow. And I say wow because the energy in that room was off the charts. The optimism and positivity was incredible and memorable. And I was standing with one of the Seahawks staffers in the back of the room as I watched everything that was unfolding. And I said to him, is it always like this? And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, every minute of every day. And they were playing music in the front of the room like it was a nightclub. They had a basketball rim at the front and guys were playing games. There was singing. There was dancing. There was joking. There was meetings. They played cut-up films of basically things that should be done and shouldn't be done, and then mixed in images of each player when they were a kid, like really creative film displays. And the whole thing was so remarkable to me, and it proved to me how and why Pete Carroll has coached at the level he has as long as he has. Now, maybe some of these guys get bored of it after a while, but I was completely blown away by the energy and positivity of that room. Like I was tired after being in that room for a couple hours. These guys had it going on and great respect for Pete and what he does. And I truly thank them for allowing me to just observe what was happening there that day, because I won't forget that. It was really incredible to see how they ran their meetings, the business that they conducted, the manner in which they did it. And it left a mark on me that I won't forget. That's the amazing thing about Many people involved in sports, especially at the highest levels, coaches, players, they are so upbeat and optimistic. And I don't think there's anybody that's any more upbeat and optimistic than Pete Carroll. Again, a honor to be able to see everything that went on there. And it was pretty incredible to see. On Sunday, I was hanging out and I got a text from one of my buddies out in Denver, good friend of mine by the name of Steve Shoflick, and he texted me a photo of Steve Levy's American Express card, number and all. And I'm like, what is my friend Steve in Denver doing with Steve Levy's American Express credit card? Well, it turns out that my friend Steve Shoflick happened to be eating in an establishment where Steve Levy also was eating on Saturday. Steve Levy is now doing play-by-play for the Denver Broncos on the local network. The Broncos were playing their preseason opener that night against the Dallas Cowboys. And I guess he went to go eat somewhere in the vicinity of where my friend Steve also happened to be eating. And so I guess they each paid their bills. The waiter or bartender or whoever it was that they paid their bills took the checks and somehow reversed Steve's. 
And so my friend Steve Shoflick in Denver all of a sudden had a parking charge in Hartford show up on his American Express on Sunday morning. He looked at his wallet, found that it was Steve Levy's credit card, texted me the credit card, and you could imagine how much fun that was going to be for me. When I texted Steve Levy as an insider saying, this your American Express card, Steve? And it didn't take but five seconds for my phone to ring. And he was completely baffled as to how I had a picture of his American Express card. I explained to him the situation. What are the chances that my friend Steve in Denver would have my friend Steve in Connecticut's credit card? I connected the two Steves. And hopefully Steve has his American Express back in time for his next trip to cover the next Denver Broncos game. Small world, kind of funny. Thought the story was worth sharing. All right, next week we'll be back in this space with more fantasy football analysis because at this time of the year, there can never be enough of that as we get ready for drafts. I want to thank Liz Loza, the new fantasy football analyst on ESPN. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott, for putting together this podcast, and you, the listener, for tuning into another Adam Schefter podcast. Like I said, please join us again next week, and until then, have a great week, be well, and stay safe.